Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme. Bernie is standing in for John Paul today, taking your calls at 1850-333-103. We always welcome your calls throughout the morning and we welcome your texts as well to 0862-103-103. Hold off WhatsApping us because we seem to be having a bit of a tech problem with the WhatsApp at the moment, but the tech boys are working on it. So if you normally contact us by text or WhatsApp, go for the text today not the WhatsApp until further notice and the email is patricia at c103.ie It's all about the general election if you pick up any newspaper today and of course I suppose what threw a lot of people yesterday we knew when ele- the general election was coming we knew that Leo Varadkar was expected to announce it yesterday but I think he caught everyone's by surprise with the date that he went for it's the first time that we're going to be going to the polls on a Saturday in a general election since 1918 um, and he's doing it I think for all the right reasons he's you know he said that he decided to hold a weekend vote which is what they do in most European countries I have to say but he said he wants to make it easier for parents he wants to make it easier for students who are living away from home so they're going to be able to uh, vote much more convenient he feels to have it on a Saturday there won't be a lot time off for uh, people if schools closed and parents would have to take time off to look, look after the children but he wants to make it easier as well for the students and those that work away from home who still have their vote at home to be able to come home on the weekend and to cast it. So they are the reasons that he's going to do it and the Taoiseach Leo Radker and Thornish to Simon Coveney it seems they're going to embark on separate nationwide tours and what they're going to do is they're going to leave the Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue, he'll hold the fort uh, back at party headquarters in Dublin. So Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney will campaign separately with the election candidates. So I'm assuming it's Simon Coveney that we will see here in uh, Cork. Fianna Fáil, their leader Micheál Martin, he is going to launch a similar ground offensive. Uh, according to the papers today, he will rely less on the staged events and instead he's going to get out and about and try to meet as many of the voters as possible. The good old pressing of the flesh. The opposition leader, who believes the main parties are neck and neck, will push the message that the country needs change after nine years of Fianna Gael government. However, Fianna Fáil or sorry, Fine Gael is eager to highlight its ministerial team during the campaign. And one party source is saying that the Health Minister Simon Harris and the Housing Minister Owen Murphy will be out front and centre defending their records. Now, I don't know if that's going to be such a good idea because I think there are two guys that have come in for a lot of flack. Now, you know, they will defend what they're doing to saying that they've they've been trying to do the best that they can. But it will be interested, be interested to see how would-be voters are going to react to both 
that particular two portfolios, health and housing, that I think is going to be top of the list for so many people when candidates come knocking on people's doors. Fine Gael is also expected to target border communities uh, over the next three and a half weeks and obviously they're going to highlight the performance on Brexit and I think that is a particularly uh, good move. Actually the party's campaign launch is being held today in a forklift factory it just happens to be in County Monaghan. Yesterday the Taoiseach said he called the uh, election on February 8th also because he wanted a new government in place before the European Council summit on Brexit and of course that happens on the 26th of March. Fianna Fáil's core message will be that the country wants change and obviously it's already started criticising Fianna Gael for making long term promises about fixing the health service and the housing uh, sector uh, in the distant future. Fianna Fáil's source said Fianna Gael's election slogan a future to look forward to was an example of its criticism of the party. And then Sinn Féin and Labour they are set to make the retirement age an election issue. They'll get votes out of this. Mary Lou Macdonald for Sinn Féin is promising to reduce the retirement age from 66, bring it back to 65, which is where, where it used to be. People used to pick up their state pension at 65. It's gone to 66. And as we know from next year, it's 67. And then in 2028, you'll have to, you'll be, if you're retiring around that time, you're going to have to be, six, you'll be 68 before you actually get your state pension. So both Sinn Féin and Labour saying they're going to take a look at that. Labour, Brendan Howland said he will stop it increasing to 65 next year if in government. So I take it from that he will leave it as is where you retire at 65 and you pick up your pension at 66. Now the election writ, that will be signed in the coming days and then the election campaign will then have legally commenced. So because the writ hasn't been signed, we're not legally into general election mode, even though you wouldn't think that when you pick up any newspapers today or listen to any programmes like this or listen to any news a bulletin or talk to any of the candidates. Candidates will have seven days to put their names forward for election after the writ has been signed. Parties were last night still putting the final touches to their election tickets with a number of new candidates expected in the coming days. And of course there has been a wave of retirement, particularly from some of our senior political figures which certainly means that the landscape in key constituencies has dramatically changed ahead of of a polling and a piece in the Irish Times today they are listing TDs confirmed so far saying that you will not see any of these people's names on the polling uh, paper on the 8th of February and they of course include Gerry Adams for Sinn Féin uh, Sean Barrett and um, Fine Gael, he was standing in Dunleary. John Deasy in Waterford for Fine Gael, he's not running. Michael Harty, the independent from Clare. Enda Kenny, of course, he. Because it's funny, I was looking at election posters from 2016 and there was pictures of Micheál Martin on a poster, on a poll and above it was Enda Kenny, their two faces. I was thinking, oh God, Enda Kenny, we've almost forgotten about Enda Kenny. He's still there but he's just not going to be running in the next election. And Finney McGrath was kind of, I think, one of the big surprise ones. Certainly for me, he was first elected back in 2002 and he has been the Minister of State with responsibility for disability and he has confirmed he is not going to seek re-election. Michael Noonan, Fine Gael, in Limerick City not running Jonathan O'Brien of course who we knew about Cork North Central Sinn Féin not running Willie Penrose for Labour won't run Brendan Ryan 
for Labour in Dublin, Finn Gaul and Cuivino Quailon for Sinn Féin is also not uh, running. And that's the list that's in the Irish Times today. And of course, we can add another one because we know that the junior minister in West Cork, Jim Daly, we've already spoken with Jim on the programme, he announced several months ago that once the election was called, he wasn't going to uh, be running. So as I say, lots and lots and lots in the papers today about the uh, election and already getting some of your thoughts in Bring Back Fianna Fáil, All Is Forgiven. And that's from John in North Cork. And another listener says, fair play to that woman, Murphy. Now, I'm assuming by this text, the listener's talking about Verona Murphy, who was on the Tonight Show last night. Not one of the panel could answer her about the 16 people that came in on a boat to this country. We need people like her to stop what's going on with immigrants in this country. And that listener talking about Verona Murphy, who is set to run in Wexford. Of course, she finished third in the recent by-election. But of course, Verona Murphy was dropped from the Fine Gael ticket for the upcoming general election following what was controversial very controversial by-election campaign in which she sustained huge amount of criticism for a series of comments that she made uh, about migrants and of course speculation had been had been rife we knew she was going to be dropped by Fine Gael would she run as an independent and of course she's come out uh, to say that she has decided uh, to uh, run and the comments that she's making uh, that our listener that I'm assuming I didn't see the Tonight Show last night but I'm, I'm assuming because she's already spoken about this uh, already she's very clear that she's not racist and she also feels that she's been continuously misquoted by people She and she, what she's raising now is the security issue of the 16 undocumented illegal migrants remember they arrived on the back of a trailer in Ross Lair And she's making the point that nobody can tell her or any of us where they are. She said nobody can tell us who they are and nobody can tell us uh, why they were here or where they were gone. And of course they they claimed refugee status when they arrived and they were put into well it wasn't a direct provision centre they were given accommodation obviously they were housed they were given a hotel room and then they just disappeared <laughs> even though at the time most people had speculated that the 16 when they arrived in Rosslare they never wanted to come to Ireland they wanted to go to the UK so they either got on the wrong into the wrong container onto the wrong boat or else it was always their plan was to come into Rosslare and then go to the UK but come in via Ireland but they never had any intention of staying here but her point is who are they where are they why are they here and where are they gone at now 1850-333-103 uh, Your thoughts welcomed on the calling of the election I would particularly like to hear about people are you, are you with Leo Varadkar in that it's the right move to have it on a Saturday is that going down well with families whose children would have been out of school for the day uh, teachers probably enjoy having that day off when the an election is called. So I'd say they're not happy campers. But I imagine for the majority of parents, they're going to be pleased that their children are not going to have an extra day off school, particularly if they are working parents. And Margaret is already in. She said, my gripe about the general election is that most of our local polling station clerks already have full-time jobs and they usually end up taking a day off or a day's holiday so they can work at the polling station. They get good wages for that day and in some cases it equals what some people will earn in a full week's wage. It's crazy. This year now they will work their full week and they'll have an extra day's work on a Saturday. Why can't these jobs be given to people who don't have any work or who work very few hours? 
It's always the same people and always their relatives, says Margaret. Interesting that that text comes in earlier than normal because it's usually on the day of the election. We would get calls in from people saying, went to the polling station, it's the same people, it's somebody who's taken a day off or it's somebody who's retired and they're on a good pension. And people always give out about it and we say every single time, if you want a job working in a polling station, you need to apply to your local authority. And I don't know if it's too late, we'll look into it if it's too late to apply for this year. But it is a bugbear for a lot of people as to why they don't go to the live register and take people from the live register and give them the day's uh, work. Why they don't do it, I don't know. 1850 Bernie taking your calls by text only please to 0862-103-103. Now also coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be talking about this new Knox tax that we've heard about. It got introduced on the 1st of January this year. So it's a new tax and it's to do with imported cars and a lot of people go to the United Kingdom to buy cars and bring them into this country. They pay the vehicle registration tax. If that's what you're planning on doing, you'll still pay the vehicle registration tax but you'll pay this additional tax, this NOX tax which has been affectionately called the NOX tax. We find out what it's all about. Uh, With over 90% of private rentals to expensive for the HAP scheme. We're talking about what can be done for the housing assistance payment. Announcement that the Northern Ring Road in Cork City not going to go ahead until at least 2027 at the very earliest and anyone who lives and works in that area and needs to commute in and out of the city will know the gridlock around that area of the North Ring Road. So we'll uh, try to endeavour to find out why that has happened. And I wonder now with an election I was going to say looming with an election called could that actually change? We will wait and see. And we hear about a job to live and work on the Great Blasket Island. The ad went up and there has been about 500 applicants for this job. It just sounds like, now it's a short term job. I think it runs from April to October. We're going to speak with the guy in charge who's advertising the job and find out a little bit more uh, about it. Uh, And also staying on the election theme we're hearing a call to all candidates in the general election to go poster free. This campaign started a number of years ago. Certainly, I don't know if it was around for the last general election. It was around for the locals and the Europeans, uh, certainly. And it's posterfree.ie. And I know certainly in Cork County, and I don't know about certain, if it's in, applicable in certain areas of the city, but certainly in Cork County, there are a number of towns where there's kind of this voluntary code of practice. It's usually run and fronted by the tidy towns groups where they say to candidates, we are poster free. You can't put up any posters in around the village, in around the centre of the town. And it's usually the 50 kilometre speed limit. You can put posters up to that. But once you get to the speed limit, entering a town or a village, if they have decided to go poster free, they ask candidates and candidates are really good about abiding by it. I think probably because they're fearful they will lose votes if they break that kind of voluntary code that is in uh, place. But this is an appeal for all candidates kind of get to get it nationwide because I think if everybody agreed then everyone's on a level playing pitch do we really need posters is the other one how do you feel about the posters does it affect the way you vote uh, would you be with the campaign to have it poster free completely in that no candidates will be allowed to erect posters 1850 333 103 or text 0862 
103 103. Uh, Michael in Castle says, Patricia, I was surprised that you weren't aware that Harry, Harry and Meghan applied for that job on the Great Blasket Islands when they abdicated and they're also going to contest the two Healy Way seats in uh, Kerry. <laughs> That's from Michael in uh, Castletown there. Thank you for that. And James says, uh, Patricia, is there any news on that little boy, Tommy, from Wexford, who was due to have his surgery today? That's little Tommy Kinsler. Remember we spoke with Tommy's uh, mother, Noreen, last week. This was the little boy who who said, uh, Mammy, can I have my surgery so I can go out to play the poor little child? He's got, he was born with a, some kind of a, a problem with the valves in his heart and he needs to have this open heart surgery. And once he have, has it, he can go back and have a very normal life again. And we were keeping our fingers and toes crossed the surgery is due to happen today. We're going to, we're trying to put a call through to Noreen to find out, and please God, the surgery is going ahead. So hang in there and hopefully we'll have some answer before the close of the programme. But let's take a break and we are back talking about this Knox tax that's next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now nobody wants to hear about a new tax, but from January the first of uh, this year we saw the introduction of a nitrogen oxide known as the NOx tax on all cars registered for the first time in Ireland. To explain what it all means I'm joined by Brian Cook who is the Director General of the SIMI, the Society of the Irish Motor Industry. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Now, this was announced in Budget 2020 last October. So can you explain what the NOx tax is? OK. What it is, it, it's actually a new tax, as you, as you correctly say there, Patricia, but it actually replaces uh, a 1% surcharge that was on diesel vehicles that have been introduced in last year's budget. So, so for some vehicles between sing, swings and roundabouts, the actual tax charge on them will end up pretty close to what it ha- what it was. Uh, our VRT system historically for the last, since 2008, has been based on CO2 emissions. Um, but there are other emissions from vehicles and nitrogen oxide is the, is the most high profile one. And it's one which impacts on air quality. So, so the government decided um, from an air quality perspective to actually bring in this new tax uh, on, on, on noxious gases that are emitted from cars. Um, and, and the tax can be very low, particularly for a petrol car, a hybrid car or a brand new diesel car, the tax is very low. It can be, you know, under 50 euro in some cases, but probably on average 50 to 100 euro. But if you're looking at a used import, it's significantly higher. It can be as, as uh, particularly an older used import, can be as high as four, as four, four, four and a half thousand euro. So it can be significant if you're looking at an old car. And that will be on top of your vehicle registration tax if you're bringing in a car from the UK? It is in addition to the vehicle registration tax, yes. Now, I, I think it's important to say it is only a one-off tax, so it's not part of road tax, it's not part of fuel tax, it's a tax on the first registration, so the tax is only paid on brand new cars, which I say is quite low for, and on used imports when they're registered in the state. So it's all about a cleaner environment? Yeah, it's all about improving our air quality. Uh, VRT in itself um, is very focused on CO2, which obviously from climate change, which is very much high on the agenda and will be high in the agenda obviously in the next few weeks. It's, uh, VRT has been based on CO2 for a number of years and this in a NOx tax is based more on air quality, which can impact negatively, particularly in ur- urban areas. 
So can you see the introduction of this encouraging more people to buy new cars and particularly buy new electric cars? I mean, is, is that the government's thinking on it? Well, I think, yeah, their view is, is actually, they. I mean, we have nothing per se against used imports and neither do the government. But what was happening was there was a lot of older diesel vehicles. Over 60% of the used imports last year were over four years old and they were uh, almost exclusively diesel vehicles. These were vehicles that the UK was effectively dumping. So getting rid of their environmental problems and dumping it in Ireland. So that's why the government want, wanted to tackle it. So so we would hope that um, it would uh, dampen the demand for older used imports and increase the demand for new cars. And new cars are much more environmentally friendly, both from a CO2 and a NOx viewpoint. And of those, obviously, the electric vehicles are zero emissions from a CO2 perspective. So they would, uh, they would be the cleanest vehicles. So they would hope that it will encourage an increase in the uptake of both electric vehicles, but also in newer, lower-emitting cars, and which new petrol and diesel cars have much lower emissions than older vehicles. Which obviously your members are trying to sell to people. So I mean, yeah. I can see, I can see why you yeah. would be encouraging it, people to buy a newer car. Oh yeah, no, that that that's that's right, Patricia. But I think also our members sell a lot of used cars, and our members sell more used cars than new cars. So so the, the used import market is important for our members as well. So it's not just, but it it, it was actually. The VRT, as it was before this change, discriminated against new cars. And this is almost trying to bring a more level playing field so new cars can, can compete with used imports. Can you see us reaching anything like the target that's been set by the government on electric cars? Well, uh, I think the headline figure of close to a million vehicles, we, we were on record saying that that's, that that's not realistic in terms of cost, in terms of range, in terms of the charging infrastructure and in terms of supply of those vehicles. But we will see at, at some stage um, towards the end of this decade, um, electric cars, we would expect to see them, you know, at least match the internal combustion engine cars in, the ter- in, in terms of new car sales. So, so we will see a lot more um, and we will see significant improvements in transport emissions. I think in the initial stage, though, it's important that the government keeps the supports, which they've been very good at so far, in place uh, at least up to 2025. Okay, Mary in Roscarbury, this is on on her road tax. Said she changed her car this year. Her old tax was one hundred and ninety euro. Her new road tax is two hundred and seventy euro. The engine size is exactly the same. Why was there such a big increase on her road tax? Well, I, that that was because the, her new car has uh, has higher CO two than her than her previous car. Uh, Nox is not part of road tax, so um, the car that she purchased had a higher CO two than the previous car that she had and that's that's why the road tax would have increased. And how do you know how much nitrogen oxide a car emits? Well, I, I, if you're buying a new car, yeah, the dealer will be able to tell you. It, it's on what's called a, a certificate of conformity. In the UK, um, it, whoever you're buying the vehicle off, they should be able to tell you what the what the NOx is going to be. So if you're importing a vehicle, uh, they should be able to tell you what the NOx is, and you'll be able to calculate what the what the likely uh, uh, charge is uh, in, in relation to that new NOx tax. Now, Revenue are currently updating their website, so I would say in the next few weeks, Revenue's website 
website will also have a calculator to help people as a guide if they're if they're going to the UK. But in in, in Ireland, you will actually the, the dealer will be able to tell you when you're buying the car. All right, and just to to stop people getting confused here, this is only affecting people who, when the car is getting registered in Ireland, I mean, somebody saying, what about a car that's 30 years or, or older, an older car? This is a one-off tax, but it's, it's on the registration of the it, car. It's only on the registration. It doesn't impact on road tax whatsoever. So someone who hasn't changed their car uh, so far this year, their road tax will be the same as it was last year because there was no increase in road tax in the budget. So you're right, it is only on the first registration of a car. And just finally, um, I was reading on the, on the papers today the fact that more than 92,000 cars were found to be dangerously defective by the NCT. One in every 15 cars were found to be dangerously defective and unsafe to be driven on public roads. Does that worry you? That is, that is scary. That is frightening, Patricia. Uh, they are death traps, not only to the drivers themselves, but the passengers in their car and to every other road user, including other car drivers, cyclists, uh, pedestrians, they are death traps. They should not be on the road. It's an important service that NCT provides. Before NCT, we wouldn't have known that. But that is that is scary. That is uh, nearly a hundred thousand vehicles. You know, so that's uh, and and whatever, whatever that that that's a pro- that's about four percent of the vehicles on the road in Ireland. You know, and that is that is a, that is a frightening number. Okay, we have to leave it there, Brian. Listen, thank you for that, and thank thanks for Patricia. joining us on the program. Bye bye. That is uh, Simon Cook, who is the general secretary of the SIMI, the Society of the Irish Motor Industry. Record today on C one hundred three. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Now the government has come in for strong criticism after new figures reveal that ninety four point five percent of all private rentals are inaccessible to people receiving the Housing Assistance Payment or HAP as it's referred to. To discuss a report that has come out from the Simon community, I'm joined from the Simon community by Wayne Stanley. Good morning to you, Wayne. Good morning and thanks for having me on. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Now, this snapshot study was carried out about a month ago. Talk to us about what you discovered. So, I suppose from the Simon community's perspective, what we're trying to capture here is a snapshot, a sense of what it's like for people who are have to avail of a uh, social housing support like HAP to get them to buy their way into the private rental market when they don't have the income uh, to pay for rent themselves. Um, so there's there's two uh, sort of criteria we look at. One is at the basic rate. So if you present to the local authority, you have a right to uh, go on the local authority housing list. You can avail of a HAP payment. Um, so there's a basic rate. So we look at well, what's the basic rate there and what can people get? And then if people are at risk of homelessness or they're, they're really struggling, the, the local authority has discretion to increase that up by 20%. Okay. So we look, wanted to look in, in both criteria um, what would be available. And I think it's, it's quite stark, particularly in the Cork area. What we've seen is over the, the, the course of the last two reports is that there was some increase um, in the Dublin region. But when it comes to Cork and the rest of the country, things are looking very stark, particularly for single people and couples. Um, it, in Cork itself, it's, it's bad across the board. I think there's a real affordability crisis um, in the Cork region. And for the Simon community, that means there's a real problem around addressing homelessness. One of the things we really see is that if you go down to the southeast, where there seems to be a little bit more availability of accommodation, um, we're seeing progress on homelessness. When you go into Cork City, see, uh, 
uh, Cork City and the surrounds, we're seeing homelessness increase. And that's particularly because of uh, a lack of affordable accommodation. So this report is really showing, uh, Wayne, how difficult it is for people to move out of emergency accommodation. Yes, uh, that's that's a real issue. We're trying to support people. I mean, uh, uh, Cork Simon has a really good initiative where we're working with people and getting them into employment. There's some really good employers in Cork who are working uh, with us. Uh, you know, we're getting people training, supporting them into employment. And a year ago, that would have meant that they would have been able to get out, uh, get into private rented accommodation and move on. Now we're having to support them in emergency accommodation to maintain their employment. That's tough. That, that yeah. really is, is, is tough. And the other side of it is is also, and this is where, the, the, again, the link with affordability is, um, it's also a preventative measure. Because what we want is that people never have to cross the threshold of a homeless service. Because there's a trauma involved in having to do that, particularly if, you, if you're holding your child's hand when you're crossing that threshold. So what we want to do is keep people in homes. And if we can, if, they're, if, they're, if the landlord is selling up, we want to divert them uh, and support them to find another home. That's why we have payments like HAP. Um, and if the, but if the properties aren't there, um, we can't do that. And people are going to end up more often having to... Uh, to, or too often having to enter into homeless services and that's not exactly not what we want. So that's why we feel that this is a really important uh, aspect of the housing system to highlight. And in, in order to secure a property, uh, Wayne, would you be aware of many people topping up the HAP? Uh, which, yes. which, and the danger then would be they're putting themselves under financial pressure. Yeah, so the sustainability of that is a real concern. So what we know is that Contrary, there used to be, you know, well, it still exists, but the more more common payment previously would have been the rent supplement payment. Yeah. And under that, people weren't allowed to top up because there was um, a recognition that if they were topping up, they were bringing themselves below kind of a minimum income on which they could uh, sustain their household. That rule wasn't maintained when it came to HAP. So people are, uh, with the... Uh, agreement, I suppose, or with the knowledge of uh, the policymakers and the local authorities are topping up. And to be fair to the local authorities, they do monitor it to try to make sure that it doesn't get out of hand. But we'd have a real concern about the sustainability of that into the in, even the medium term, particularly in the context where uh, the the rates of the basic rates of HAP have not been uh, reviewed since I think 2016. Uh, so we're looking at the topping up becoming more and more prevalent over time. Yeah, because I remember before Christmas we were contacted by a mother of a, a family who, you know, was just basically saying she didn't have enough money for, for food and she was relying on food banks and, and the likes of the wonderful services of, of Cork Penny Dinners. And a number of listeners who are trying to be do-gooders were saying, you know, how could that happen? You know, she, she's, not, she's not managing her money properly with the HAP scheme and her rent is paid and all of that. And of course, when we dug a bit deeper, the, the, this poor family were putting everything they had into paying the rent to keep the roof over their head because they didn't want to end up in homeless services. And the only way they could save the extra money to give to the landlord was to take it out of their food budget. Yeah, and that is that is a story we do hear um, over and over again. Um, and there's a kind of a, a hidden homelessness um, sort of emerging uh, throughout the country, particularly in, in more rural areas where we're seeing families do in that situation or maybe moving back home, uh, doubling and trebling up, um, are in really unsustainable 
uh, accommodation in those circumstances. And it's putting people under immense pressure, isn't it? Yeah, and families under immense pressure. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they get counted and they enter into homeless services and it get counted perhaps as something like a family breakup. But actually, the fundamentals of it is, is that we have a dysfunctional housing system. Are you seeing any positives on the horizon when it comes to housing? Um, okay, well, in terms of this report, actually, uh, in the in the Dublin area, there was increase, um, in particularly in, in North Dublin, and the, and the HAP rates that they have there, while it's twenty percent or across the rest of the country, it's fifty percent uh, in Dublin, and that's an increase on the limits. If we could see something like that happening, where we're protecting the most vulnerable. Uh, there may be opportunities for, for to get more properties uh, into the system. There's some interesting ha- things happening with the Land Development Agency. Um, now, the, the question there, again, will be affordability. Because it's great to see building happening, it's great to see plans coming out, but will it be affordable? Because as much as we need more housing, this idea, the, the notion that just having more housing built will make it more affordable, uh, unfortunately, housing in the economics of housing don't work like that and we know that through looking international to an international experience um but there is there is movement happening happening in some areas so it's not all negative but i have to say it is um it's a patchwork mm-hmm. we're seeing some progress in the in the dublin region but across the rest of the country um particularly at the moment particularly areas like galway and cork uh, limerick uh, we're really heavily reliant on local authorities and approved housing bodies getting out and building to get people moved on. Yeah, and if we only had enough houses, I mean, to hear the Minister Owen Murphy reveal, was it €400 million Euro was spent on HAP last year alone? Yeah, and that'll increase yeah. uh, year on year. And I think the concern is that, uh, like, I don't want to be too negative about HAP because HAP has uh, supported, you know, uh, 50,000 households in the uh, rental market. It's put a roof over a lot of people's heads. Yeah, so yeah. We, we don't want to be too negative. And certainly the homeless HAP, in terms of supporting families and individuals out of homelessness, was was a very important innovation. Uh, so we don't want to be negative about it, but I think what we have to look at is its sustainability over the long term, and also what else are we doing to make sure that we don't become too reliant on the private rental market that isn't designed to meet a social need. Private rental market is there for people to provide housing, uh, but it's also a very profit-led market. What we need is housing that um, provides sustainable, affordable accommodation for individuals and families over their life cycle. And how do we get there? That's the big question. Okay, we've got a general election. We're just into general election mode. What's your message, Wayne, to the politicians? Uh, exactly that. I suppose uh, the big question we'd, we'd like people to ask on the doors, okay. the big question we'd like the supporters of Simon to ask is, how are you going to bring the numbers down? And ask them directly that. How are they going to bring the homeless numbers down? And one of the answers has to be the increase of public housing, and that's across models, social housing, but also innovations like cost rental, where, where people can have long-term uh, rental accommodation uh, where they can afford to raise their families if they if they if their situation improves they can afford to save for a deposit if they want to buy a home if they if their situation uh, doesn't that they're they know that they're secure and sustained in that home um, and that's across the board we need that level of vision and innovation and move away from so many market led um reliance that we have at the moment okay we leave it there uh, wayne thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the program
Thanks for having me on. Good morning to you. That is uh, Wayne Stanley, who is the spokesperson for the Simon Communities. 1850-333-103. Bernie, taking your calls. Text us 0862-103-103. Pat in Cork, listening to me chat with the Simon Community and the need for housing in this country. Uh, and in particular in the city and county, do we really need the big event centre right in the middle of Cork? And it's only a stone's throw away from Penny Dinners, who are there trying to feed the poor of uh, Cork. Uh, do we need an event centre or, we do ne- or do we need more houses? OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. I'll catch up with a lot of your thoughts and comments coming in, particularly on the calling of the general election and on posters. Should it be a poster-free zone, which we'll be talking about uh, later on. And also hearing the announcement that the Northern Ring Road in Cork City not now going to go ahead until at least 2027. Uh, Michael has been on just by text to say, Hi Patricia, is uh, Peter Dowdle, the gardener, on today? He's not. He normally takes the month of January off but I have to say because the weather has been so mild this winter we're already starting to get gardening questions in so we may get on to Peter and bring him back a little bit earlier than he normally does in January but no he's certainly he's not uh, with us uh, today now let me catch up with texts and emails in let me go with the Knox tax first this is this new tax that came in since the 1st of January and it was announced when people are saying never heard about this before where's this come from it was announced in the budget, the 2020 budget which would have been in October but of course there was so much announced in the 2020 budget it's hard to go down through every single line of it. So I think a lot of people missed this one and people then only discovered when they started to try and import a car from the United Kingdom from the 1st of January that they realised that there was this additional charge because it is on top of the vehicle registration tax that you have to pay. So some of your texts, oh before I get to text there's a really good email in on this from Ed to say hi Patricia, very few people were aware of this tax and it is going to impact in a very punitive fashion anybody seeking to purchase a second hand car from Britain. All people including people on fixed incomes, especially pensioners will now be compelled to purchase new or late model cars from Irish car dealerships due to what Ed sees as a regressive tax. We could be easily forgiven for thinking that this government is totally in the pocket of the organisation representing the car industry. It falls right into their pockets financially to the detriment of the ordinary Joe Soap trying to run a car. I am not partial to any particular political party, but we've watched this present government allow the car insurance companies to basically charge motorists outrageous sums for insurance for many years and they were indifferent to our pleas. Now we have them turning their backs again on ordinary folk. The old adage about governments is true, says Ed. Governments are like socks. If you don't change them often, they begin to smell. (laughs) I've never heard that saying before, but Ed seeing the Knox tax as a very regressive one. And in, in, you know, Brian Cook of the SIMI of the motor industry, you know, I did put that to him. I mean, this works really in favour of anyone trying to sell cars in this country. And he said, yeah, even though he said they do have members who import cars and they're obviously going to get caught. But on the newer models, you know, 50 euro doesn't make much of a difference if you're buying a new car. But it can go up to, he said, four and a half thousand, which is a huge, huge sum of money on top of what you'll also be paying on your vehicle registration tax. So I think Ed is right. I think it will act as a deterrent to people looking to the United Kingdom. It might just outprice some of the cars that before this tax came in, somebody might have looked at and thought, yeah, I can afford that. I I can go for that. Some of your texts in, Pat said, Knox tax, another money exercise on the innocent, easily led Irish people. 
What about aeroplanes? Question mark, question mark. We urgently need a motorist organisation. And then Pat questions the SIMI. Well, the SIMI are representing not motorists, they're representing the motor dealers. It's very different. We do have a motoring organisation that we do have the AA. And I know when I was discussing in the office with John Paul yesterday about that we needed to do something because we were getting calls and emails in about this Knox tax. And I did say to him, could we get somebody from the AA? Uh, but I don't know whether was, there was nobody available or, or they, they hadn't come out with anything on this. So we might try and get somebody from the AA because, I mean, the AA certainly do represent the motorists of this country. I mean, and Conor Faulkner and Brian Allworth are, you know, very strong in their views on behalf of motorists. Uh, also in on texts, uh, texts, Adrian says, Patricia, maybe if cars were priced lower in Ireland, people wouldn't feel the need and wouldn't be going to the United Kingdom for cars. Does anybody ever ask that question? Plus, I don't think a car that's four years old is in inverted commas old, which is why Brian Cook called it. Not everyone can afford new cars, says uh, Adrian. Uh, yeah, you know, and you're right. I mean, I wouldn't deem, I wouldn't think a four-year-old car is old. I think a lot of people will, will change cars and if they get a car that's four years old, it's new to them. And they certainly, I certainly don't think a four-year-old car is old either. So I agree with you on that. Okay, also coming in on, Sandy says, while mentioning tax, how many on small incomes, working part time, etc., realise that the universal social charge, the USC charge of 0.5% is on incomes of €12,000 or, yes, or less? And Sandy says, we have a government that speak of encouraging back to work. I would question that. Patricia says, a texter, rural Ireland, we're after taking a savage hit. There's only forestry and big dairy farmers left, which is making land scarce. And it's also making land more expensive for house building. And then we here in rural Ireland, when it comes to motoring, we spend a bigger percentage of our wages on auto fuel. Everything seems to be stacked against rural Ireland. And I feel we're not, we were not represented last time. And I'm assuming what that text means in the last election. Is that, is that what you mean? Felt that they weren't, rural people were not represented. Even though a lot of the independent TDs come from rural constituencies and they've been, you know, very vocal in the doll. Whether they managed to get change or not, I don't know. But they certainly were were very vocal in trying to put forward the message on behalf of uh, rural Ireland. Okay, some of your texts coming in about the calling of the election and about posters, etc. Somebody says candidates should be made use electronic billboards like what they have on the Wagon Tavern in Formoy. There's no need for littering of our communities with these posters in this day and age. I have to say there's a lot of people really against the postering. Let me get to some more of them. Uh, Eileen and Clan says please no election posters. We don't see these people from one election campaign to the next. Why do we want to look at them littering our countryside? Of course we are paying for them to litter our countryside. So for, for, for one our house says no posters no postal campaign just help all people in what they need to live. Put the money into giving it to the people of Ireland. I saw posters up last night in the Carriganima area. I really dislike them. Uh, these posters being put up, says Eileen and Glenn, who seems 
enraged by the fact that some posters have gone up already. As I say, I haven't seen any yet, but it does look like they're already starting to put up their uh, posters. Let me see, is there anything else in on uh, posters here? Uh, No. Okay. so also in on uh, text. Oh, on the polling station jobs. Uh, Somebody says you... To apply for a job in a polling station, rubbish, might wasting your time, particularly here in Mill Street. It is the same people year after year after year. It's impossible for the unemployed people to get a job. So while the news was on, I did a quick search of how do you apply for the jobs and I found a piece that had been written by the Irish National Organisation of the Unemployed, the INOU. And this was coming up to, I don't know which referendum it was, but it was coming up to a referendum and they were basically saying that, look, that there are jobs there and that returning officers all over the country, it seems, are required required to provide for a recruitment process which positively encourages and welcomes applicants from unemployed people and how you do it is you need to contact it depends on where you are I mean if you're listening to us and you're in the county and you want to work in the county then it's the Cork County Returning Officer that you need to get on to likewise in the city it's the Cork City Returning Officer and it's the same then all over the country if for example you're in Kerry you get on to the Kerry Returning Officer if you're you're in Monaghan you get on to the Cavan Monaghan Returning Officer so no matter where you are all over the country it's different returning officer and it's based on you know what local authority you're in and then the job the wage for the day and as far as I know it still remains the same unless it's increased this year to work in the polling station this is ticking off people's names when they come in and handing them their ballot paper the pay is €350 for the day but can I say It is a very long day. You will be required to work from 6am in the morning until 11pm at night. So it's a long, long day. But still people feel for €350, that's the reason, you know, because people say €350 for one day. That's why somebody was saying you can earn as much on one day as a polling clerk as you would, as some people earn. Some people don't earn €350 for a full week's work. And I think that's why people bemoan the fact when they go in there and they see that the people working in there already have a job and that they're taking a day off. And of course with the election on a Saturday, people who work Monday to Friday they don't even need to take a day off to do it. It'll be a real little bonus for them. But it's €350. Uh, Some people say overpaid for the, the length of the day, 6am to 11pm. They mightn't physically work very hard in that they're sitting down all day but it's a long, long day. But you apply to the returning officer and that's as much as I can tell you. I don't know if all of the jobs have been filled already but for people who give out about it and as I say we, and we'll hear we'll hear the same arguments again on the day of the election even though we won't I won't be on air but radio stations will get phone calls from people saying I turned up and it was the same people in the polling station the same people voting the same people working there every time and then when you ask people well did you apply for one of the jobs most people will say no so if you're not in you can't win so if you really would like one of those jobs then it is worth getting on to the returning officer at your local authority and good morning Patricia says another texter both my husband and I will be working on the day of the election so a Saturday vote will make no difference to us thanking you and that's when I was making the point that one of the reasons that Leo Varadkar called for the Saturday vote was to allow for uh, working people who were off on the weekend. He was talking about the people who work uh, Monday to Friday. But I think in particular, in fairness to him, he was more talking about parents who work 
and whose children's schools will be closed if it was held on a weekday. I think that was one of the main points he was trying to get across for working families that they would end up having to childcare issues and it would cost the money as well. But yeah, absolutely, there are people who work Saturdays as well. But the polling stations will be open very early in the morning and they will re- remain open until very late at night. Uh, I mean, that's why when I talk about the polling clerk's job, it's a long, long day. John and Cove on the election says, we're all looking for change, but there'll be no change. The same mob will be back in again. Tom and Gormick says, we need to scrap what he calls the poverty tax, not the property tax, the poverty tax. What's he talking about? The USE charge that somebody else mentioned in a text message. Enda Kenny was to blame for its introduction. The new government that gets in, though, might scrap it. We'll have to wait and see. A regular listener says, we can't blame the politicians for everything. It was the bankers and the developers that broke this country. Whoever gets back in needs to change the laws to prevent and make sure that it never happens again. And by the way, says this regular listener, how dare Fine Gael try to impose a march that would any, in any way commemorate the black and tans. I think they learned a valuable lesson over that one, you can be sure. And Pat in from Moy says he turns off during, this is radio stations and TVs, I take it. So he turns off during general elections if a politician comes on. He said all the politicians claim that they have the answer to everything. He'll spend his time switching between stations to get away from it all. Well, hopefully we'll be able to hold you and keep you hooked in to uh, C103. 1850 Birdie taking your calls if, uh, if sitting in for John Paul, but you can text uh, to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat Leaving Cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. JMR, House to Home Centre in Mallow. They're recruiting for a part-time bookkeeper. Then the job does come with an immediate start. Stores person slash sales assistant is wanted for Mallow. Good customer service, please, and computer skills. Home Instead Senior Care, they're looking for caregivers in Bandon, Balancholic, Farron and Blackrock areas. And a cath lab nurse and a medical nurse, all required for work in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we have just contacted that little boy, Tommy Kinsella, who we spoke about last week on the programme. Uh, we'd spoke to Tommy's mother, Noreen, l- Monday of last week. Uh, and the reason we spoke to her was little Tommy had had his open heart surgery that he needed cancelled for the eighth time and it was just heartbreaking because there's a little boy who needed to have this operation so that he could go back to live a normal life and as he said to his mother, Mammy, please can I have my surgery so I can go out to play. I mean it was just heartbreaking stuff and when Noreen spoke to us last week because she put that open letter up on Facebook that she sent the open letter to the health minister saying when when is my Tommy going to get his operation and she had said to us last week that he was due, she'd got a phone call to say that he was due to have an operation today 
but it was a wait and see again would it be the ninth cancellation of the operation so we've just touched base with her because when we were ringing this morning there was no answer from her mobile and we, we, we took that as a good thing maybe maybe they're in at the hospital maybe everything's going okay she's just got back on to us to say that uh, Tommy is in the theatre he is in surgery it'll be three o'clock before they have any news but he's in surgery and I know a lot of people had been praying and hoping that the surgery would go ahead it's such fantastic news now we need to thoughts and prayers for little Tommy that it's a successful procedure and that uh, he'll go on to live a happy and a healthy life and he can leave all of this behind behind, uh, him and as I say it'll be three o'clock this afternoon so it'll be tomorrow but we'll touch back in with Noreen and maybe if she's up to it we might have a quick few words with her tomorrow so certainly that's a bit of good news and thank you to a number of listeners who rang who had remembered that today was the day that Tommy was to get his operation. Now let me move on it has unfortunately been announced that Cork's Northern Ring Road will not be delivered until after 2027 with the news confirmed last week by the Department of Transport describing the news as devastating for the Cork's north side is Fianna Fáil Councillor Tony Fitzgerald who joins me. Good morning to you Tony. Good morning. And you're you're welcome to the programme. Now this announcement came in the long-awaited Project Ireland 2040 report. Can you just outline to us why was the northern? Why is the northern ring road being excluded from the first phase of this plan? Well, I suppose this is just a little background in terms of uh, in two thousand and five, um, uh, Cork City Council launched the proposal uh, in the Marjorie Hotel, the former Northern Cemetery there, um, uh, for the northern ring road, um, um, and it was a very detailed proposal, which. Uh, Took a route from the toll in um, the, the toll in Watergrass Hill to the Ponavon uh, roundabout in Bannonconic, so stretching across, you know, across the Collie, across Danmire, you know, over into Clohean, down over the Lee Valley, and onto the Ponavon. And it is a very detailed proposal, a very challenging one, um, and it was really a gateway for the North Side to develop uh, in the future. And that has been. Um, there and we've been working in council to advance it and develop it further. Um, the reason for it is because, as you know, the Dunkettle roundabout and the, 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 the tunnel is gridlock, um, and there is very little access for heavy goods vehicles to get to the north side and indeed to get to, to West Cork. So this would have been a major, major boost to the north side of the city. Um, in fact, it was one of the one of the, the key components of it, of negotiating the, the the city boundary. Uh, when I shared that negotiations when I was Lord Mayor, um, and was left with the government um, as part of their plan over the last ten years to make to to make sure that this was activated and funding was secured for each section. And I I, I just can't believe um, that they have decided uh, that this is not a priority for the north side of the city. Um, and so, so when the announcement was made la- last week, was yeah. was was it very unexpected to hear that the Northern Ring oh, Road? Well, well, yes, I was I was devastated by it. I was shocked because um, um, I had been in the with the Tornish about it um, on numerous occasions, um, and indications were that this was something that was going to happen. Um, uh, there was a brief announcement in the budget in in, in, in the budget the year before last with, with the Dunkettle element of it. Um, but really, it, it has to come on the agenda for this general election again, you know, because it has to be priority for all parties, including my own, uh, which I'll be, be prioritising uh, during my campaign. 
But I mean, the advantage. And have the council been continuously fighting for it? You, you mentioned, oh, you know, since 2005, that's 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it's like, I, I suppose the council is dependent on the grant from the. It, it would be a joint venture by Cork County Council and Cork City Council because a lot of the land uh, will be in the, in the county area. Um, but I've led the campaign, I'm continuously. Um, Raising it in City Hall, um, and I've got support for across party support from that from from from, from, from my colleagues. Uh, but the, the, the vital issue to hear, um, uh, Patricia, is, is that like if you want to get from the western side of the city, like coming from Shanachiel or Sunday as well, you're stopped at the North Mall. You know, I mean, it's a very narrow road, and that's your next uh, gateway to the city centre. Um, if you want to get into the city centre itself, you're you're going through Castle Street. But what we want is to make sure that vehicles coming in from Dublin can slip onto the Northern Ring Road and make their way out to Valen College or to the various industries around the north side. Uh, but if you, if, you look at, if you look at the line, or if you look at the South Ring Road, the South Ring Road takes you from the toll right nearly out down to Bandon. Yeah. And that road gives you many, many options. You can go to uh, Douglas, you can go to uh, Mahan, you can go to Wilson. You can go to Bishopstown, you can go to Bannon College, and all of the land bank around the South Ring Road has developed over the years with retail trade and with industries and with development. And similarly, if we had a road like the North Ring Road on the north side of the city, you would get the same... Same thing would happen, yeah. It's a no, it's a no-brainer. It's really, it really it is, is a no-brainer. And in fact, the Northern Road is more important because it's a gateway to Limerick, Galway, you know, Tipperary, so, like, it would give you more advantages because you can't go any further on the south side because you're going into the sea after that. But you're, it's much more uh, advantageous. And it would really, I mean, we have Apple, huge, huge boost to the local area here on the north side of the city. And we need we need to support them and other industries in, in touchfield industrial estate um, to, you know, that their their, their deliveries are, are coming efficiently, efficiently and are taking Just out of interest, what did you make of um, what was the gentleman, Dr. Um, Frank Crowley, the UCC economist? I saw that. He claims that Cork doesn't need the Northern Ring Road, that we need to invest in public transport to relieve traffic congestion. In the ideal world, we'd all be on a a train or a Lewis or a Dart. But it's, 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 it's. Like, you know, I saw that comment. um, Like, I mean, the North Side is famous for its films, you know. I mean, you know, people. I think people, I mean, there's very good, um, uh, people do walk, uh, public transport uh, is an issue, um, uh, and, we, and I agree with that concept, but this is not about encouraging people to use public transport uh, into the city centre, it's about getting them to work, 
and getting further investment on the north side of the city that, you know, when companies want to set up here, um, that it's that they, 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 they can see that their, their, their goods could be delivered quickly and efficiently um, and then, you know, onto the, onto the customer. And that's really, that's really the key, the, the key issue. I mean, if you look at the, it's like, you know, three triangles in, in terms of the city, city development as I see it, Patricia. One, we have South Ring Road, which is great and I fully support it. We're now developing the Docklands. The third leg of that has to be the north side of the city. Okay. And that land right All right. And as, and, and as we said at the outset, is it is all contained in, in this re- report. Uh, and, yeah. and they're saying that it won't be delivered until after 2027. But that could all change after a general election. As you mentioned, you are running. You're, you're yeah. standing in Cork, uh, Cork North Centre for Fianna Fáil. Are you disappointed to hear um, Ken O'Flynn deciding, leaving Fianna Fáil and running as an independent? Well, yeah, yes, that's correct. I am, I am, uh, I am nominated to the party based on my my track record um, over the last fifteen years of council. My own vote has increased uh, dramatically over the last number of years. Uh, I headed the poll here and I was the largest vote on on, uh, on the north side of the city. And you know, I, I my record as Lord Mayor of Cork is there for everybody to see. Uh, we're fortunate in Fianna Fáil to have um, so many candidates now who want to who want to engage in, in public in, 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 in political life, and I think that's good. Uh, we have a democratic process, um, um, and that that process was undertaken by the members and by the party. Um, a number of candidates put themselves forward um, um, for for selection, um, and um, you know myself and Sandra Murphy now have been chosen with uh, Paddy O'Sullivan TD to, to lead the team. Um, and that's, that's, that's the democratic process. But are, are you are, worried are, that, that Kenneth, Kenneth will take from the Fianna Fáil vote? Like Ken, Ken, I sit next to Kenneth in, in, in the council chamber and uh, I'm sorry to hear that he's leaving, um, that he has left the party. But I suppose everybody has their own ambitions. But, you, are, you know, this is a process that has been open and open and transparent from the very start. Uh, we all signed the pledge. Um, and, you know, that's that, that the process. Um, and, you know, I'm focused on my campaign um, in, to ensure that I be a voice for the, for the people of Cork North. Okay. Have, you po- have you posters up yet? I'm, Patricia, I'm <laughs> literally out here in the front of the house cleaning them up and getting them ready to go to the rain. The rain fell there a few minutes ago and we have to come back in so I'm just here, if you saw my front, my, at my home here in the Bunklone Harbourview Road in Nottahini in Holly Hill. We're literally out here now getting them ready to go up. OK, well, you'll be just about where we're later on in the programme here from a campaign asking people not to put up posters, that poster free. Yeah, and, dot- and, and I, I understand that and I think that, that's very important. My own view on that, Patricia, is that we should, each candidate should be probably limited to about 100, 100 posters because the, what the posters do is that they do give an awareness to the campaign you know, I remember when we were, when we were um, campaigning in the by-election, you know, we were out for a number of weeks knocking at doors and people were saying we didn't know there was an election on. But the minute the posters went up when the deadline came in, the atmosphere changed immediately. So uh, there is a public awareness uh, in the, uh, in, for, for the voters to consider, um, but I do think there are too many of them. Yeah. Uh, I think most of the candidates would welcome, would welcome a limitation on them because they're very expensive. Um, and, you know, I pay for my own posters and I'm sure all the other candidates do too as well. 
Um, yeah, um, and I know I, that new candidates say that, you know, that it, it helps them to get their name and their face out there as well. It's OK it, for, you know, everybody knows what Leo Varadkar looks like. Hopefully everybody yeah. knows what Tony Fitzgerald looks like. But for some of the Hopefully. newer candidates, <laughs> for the newer candidates, they don't. So, I mean, I, 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 can, they, they I, can, I can see it from all sides. Okay. And it does, add, it does add to the excitement, Patricia. All right, it does when the posters go up. But I do, I, 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 I'm in favour of a limitation of them. Okay. And, you know, um, and just maybe. remember to take them down and take down your cable ties with us. That's Absolutely. the important one. All right, Tony. Absolutely. I have a great, have a great team here. Good. Good. All right, we leave it there. You thank the you for that and thanks uh, for joining us. That thank is uh, Cork City uh, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald as we uh, and also a candidate in the for Cork North Central. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Uh, text at 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. More than 500 applications have been received for a job on the Great Blast Island, which is one of the most westerly islands in Europe. To chat about the position, I'm joined by the employer, and that's uh, Billy O'Connor. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm very well. Now, this job is actually for two people, so I assume it's a couple or can two friends apply? I suppose, yeah, you'd want a good um, friendship if it's two friends. So just two people with a strong relationship, because you, you could be out on the island on your own, so just and you're there for the summer, so... So what what exactly is the job? So it's uh, we have three cottages on the island that we rent out, and you can rent out. Um, you just rent. So generally, it's just couples rent out the house, and um, basically the staff will turn over the house and make sure that the um, if if the guests need anything, their fires later. If maybe their gas runs out, they can change that, um, and making sure basically the most important thing is just being friendly and making sure the place is really clean and tidy for them. So someone's and, house proud, maybe. Yeah, and then sort of change the beds, get it all ready for the next guest coming in. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So maybe three hours in the morning, it gets quite a bit hectic there, like just doing all that. And is there a coffee shop as well on the island? Yeah, and then um, there's about six boats to run tours to the island. And um, so so for the when the day visitors come up to the island, then just have somewhere for them to go and they can get a tea or coffee and use the bathrooms. <laughs> And are you surprised at the response to the advert? I, I can't get over it, actually. Like, <laughs> it's gone, it's gone, you said there, I heard you say about 500. It's more like 1,500 now since all the publicity over the last few days. There's just emails coming in constantly. Um, and I can't get over now, actually, because the first year when we put the ad up, we didn't think we'd get anyone. And now there's just people applying from everywhere. And when did you start? Was was last year the first year of this? Um, no, no, last year was the first year that we, we could... Um, you know, that we kind of reposted that. So when we first started the business, it was about six years ago, and it was myself okay. and my friend started it. So he, he was um, becoming a teacher, and uh, he's from Cork, actually, Killian. And uh, he, 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 I wouldn't have got it up and running now without him at all. And um, he, he, so he, he was there the whole time with me, helping me start it up. And then while he was training to become a teacher and stuff, he was there. And then um, he just couldn't do it anymore, so we had to advertise it. Then last year was the first year. And that's when the couple, uh, Gordon and Leslie, wasn't it, who... Yeah, yeah were excellent, yeah. Who, who, who took it on. And it runs, the job runs from April through to October. October, the 1st of October, yeah. And then generally April, May and September will be fairly quiet. And June, July and August could be can be very busy. How are you going to select the ideal... Um, I've no idea. There's a few. There's a few people now that we kind of um, that we're going to meet up with um, that we we really like. To, to, like everyone now, it's overwhelmed and um, so grateful for everyone really getting getting on, in contact with us. 
But uh, there's a few there maybe who've stood out a bit more and uh, we'll definitely meet them. And have applicants come from all over the world? Everywhere, yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Um, like Alaska, New Zealand, Australia, um, Lebanon. It's incredible. So I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's going to suit people who, can, who have that amount of time. As you say, a student, somebody studying might just be able to get it in with exams done and not yeah. back to college on, on, until late October. So it certainly would suit there. As somebody who's in a position to take a career break, because last year's couple, they were they were working, weren't they? They, they, t- they were full time, yeah, and they took a career break and they, um, yeah, and they came down and um, it was Leslie now, she's interested in the She's read every book and she did a, she did a thesis on it. And, um, and then she kind of, I think she kind of, you know, got Gordon to come down with her and Gordon turned into the island man. He was brilliant. He's out swimming every day and, um, he loved it, like you know. What is it like? What is describe what it's like to live on on Blaskin um, Island? Well, like the mornings are amazing, you know, when you get up and especially say if the boats don't run, you could have a week with no boats, and it, that's up to the um, you know the, the managers if they want to stay there or not for the week. But Leslie and Gordon used to love it out there when when the boats didn't run and they'd have the place to themselves. The whole island it's like a private island. You might get southerly winds, so the sun would be shining in the southerly. Um, and if you get northerly, then that's generally worse um, bad weather. But you could have the whole island yourself, a thousand seals on the beach. Uh, you'll never have a nicer coffee in the morning with that view. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And then so, is there, ele- hikes. is there electricity? Um, we have a generator um, that we wouldn't run too often, and then we have um, a wind turbine that charges two car batteries, so you could just have one plug, and that, that generally does enough. And then you just have head torches um, for for light they're the best thing ever invented and, and uh, candles ah you can't beat a candle god, yeah. god I'm thinking of pegs here as I did I, um, and you've done up did I read somewhere that you one one of the houses is, is pegs Ayers home yeah peg was moved up to that house yeah the congestive district board um, did a few houses so they're a bit out of the village they're the further white houses up and um, that was pegs that was the home she was in um, until she she left the island most of her kids were raised in that house and my grandfather and granduncle got it in the 70s and they put roofs on it and in the 2000s they put um, toilets on it. And I don't think there's toilets and pegs that you have to go out. There's an outhouse out the back for pegs but there's toilets in the rest of them. And, and, and I mean all of us, I, I mean I don't know, do they still do the book? Do they still do pegging for the leaving? No, no, I, no, no, is it gone? Is it gone? That's a real it's pity. Br- it's a brilliant book. It's a brilliant book. It's a brilliant, yeah. and, and I'm just thinking because that's what caught my eye when when I saw that you were advertising for the job for the Great Basket Islands. And oh God, where Peg lived, and and my God, we damned that poor woman when we were studying it for our leaving yeah. search. But there must be a lot of people go there purely for that connection with their school days. Yeah, they, they, like the amount of people who from all over the world you wouldn't believe it who've just said I've read the book and I wanted to go out and it really brings the book to life for them. Yeah. When they, you know, when they're reading, and they bring it with them, and it, not even Peg's book, but there, there must be 50 books written on the island. So they've, the amount of people who come who've just, just purely out of reading some literature. And it was last lived on in the 50s. Was that when the last? Uh, yeah, 53 was, I think, the evacuation. And then maybe there was a few people stayed on the year after. There was, a, and uh, um, a young guy got sick. Um, so that it was just too hard to sustain yeah. it. So they moved the mast then, yeah, onto the mainland. But a great place to go for a break and for a holiday. It, it is, yeah, for a few days. Like, and some people we had, we've had people staying there for three weeks and stuff like that. If you want a complete chill out and just get away from it all. Yeah. Someone so, says this. We do. We, do uh, we have a few teachers now. Last year came out and they, you know, they're they're on their um, summer holidays and they just kind of helped out in the coffee shop and and with the accommodation took the pressure off um, 
Good. the rest of the staff out there and they just get their food and accommodation they don't get any wage and Good. they're just happy to help out yeah, and, they, and experience it for a week or two is there mobile phone coverage somebody there wants is, yeah, is there? there is yeah it's quite good out there yeah. is there you've broadband so, yeah, but you, most people probably turn it off and tell people. Yeah, I would be thinking. For. I would. I would be thinking the same thing. But there's broadband as well. Uh, well, no, no, not broadband. But we have a, um, you know, we have a phone on the island for emergencies, and you can kind of hotspot that phone. Okay. So, so you guess you have. But a that's small not. Kind of a that's not what that ho- what the, what that kind of a holiday is is about for sure. Yeah, exactly, Pe- yeah. By the way, people can check out your actual holidays if people want to go there or, or go on a day trip. You've got a website. Yeah, greatblasketisland.net is our website, yeah. Okay, and you take the boats out, You're, you run the boats? Yeah, we do, you? do tours from Dingle and it ties in nicely with the accommodation and the staff because we bring the supplies in and out, so we bring the shopping and the and the new linen, the linen is all washed in Dingle and we bring all that out and then we bring the, um, you know, the rubbish and um, any any used linen off the island. And then, uh, then the the new yeah. the new the new guests arrive. It's it's fantastic. Listen, yeah. good luck with the selection process. You have a tough job in your hands, uh, yeah, for it's sure. Good time of the year first, so. yeah, it is. And uh, thanks a million uh, for joining us on the program this morning. Patricia, thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, Billy O'Connor who advertised that job on the Great Blasket Island. Isn't that incredible the amount of people that have applied? But when I was looking up on the website, on his website yesterday, and he's got obviously a Facebook page uh, as well, and some of the photographs from the Great Blasket Islands, was they were just stunning. And on a beautiful day, you know, when the sun is shining and he said, and the southerly wind is blowing in, I mean, how idyllic. But then you get the wilds of winter. I can imagine for Storm Brendan, what it must have been like. It's, it's quite wild. But then there are people love the idea of being on an island like that in the middle of a storm. But it's... But uh, we wish good luck to, as I say, there are a couple or two friends. You'd have to be really get on with each other because you're going to be totally living in each other's ear from the start of April right through until the end of October. Bernie's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103. 103. Lots and lots of texts. We'll get through them all in the next hour though coming in uh, on various issues uh, but in particular people talking about the election a lot of other things as well. Anyway I'll get to those afterwards but I want to give a quick mention see if anybody can help here please. A listener says Patricia uh, could you ask your listeners please and find out who do you complain to when farmers are after spreading slurry and they go inside the exclusion zones for a pump house uh, I have no way of knowing what the exclusion zone for a pump house is, except I assume it's exactly what it says in the tin. You're not allowed to spread slurry because it'll get into the pump house. And it's for some reason, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying that the farmer who spread it, it was an accident. Did you try talking to the farmer, for example? Anyway, uh, this person wants to complain. Can anybody offer advice to that person? Uh, who, who to complain to when a farmer has spread slurry and they've gone inside the exclusion zone for a pump house? 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text us today at 0862-103-103. Now, John in Clonakilty was reacting to the listener whose text I read out just before news at 12 who wanted to know uh, what can they do who can they complain to when a farmer has spread slurry and they have gone inside the exclusion zone for a pump house well John in Clonakilty was back quick as, quick as a flash to say that farmer who spread slurry next to the pump house the person needs to contact their local authority that's from John in Clonakilty now I don't know where our listener is texting from but I'm assuming they're somewhere in Cork County 
So you, they get on to the county council. That's who you can complain to. Posters. We're going to be discussing posters later on in this hour and talking with the campaign that's called posterfree.ie and they're up, they're online and they've got a social media aspect to it as well. And you can actually go on to their website and see which candidates have already committed to being poster free. So we'll chat with them on the programme uh, today. Uh, somebody's on to say posters are up at Morat already so, so the available polls are already being taken and I know and I did mention this earlier and I, I saw a text in about this as well saying what about the Taoiseach he was quick out of the blocks uh, yesterday and he did he, he certainly stole a march on some of his election rivals he had his general election posters well the start of his general election posters up technically before the general election was officially called because before the, the he had to go to Orson Uchtheron obviously and get the president to dissolve the 32nd doll and then the polling order had to be signed but before that actually happened now hours before I mean that's all we're talking about I'm not talking about weeks before hours before uh, posters of Leo Varadkar were spotted on the Navin Road and in uh, Kulak and it was actually a Sinn Féin candidate uh, Councillor Paul Donnelly took photographs of Leo Varadkar's posters and he put it up on his Twitter saying that the posters had gone up at the Halfway House pub on the Navin Road and he said the Taoiseach at Leo Varadkar's team putting up posters before the doll has been dissolved. Now Fine Gael have insisted that the Taoiseach's actions were in line with the regulations and um, the opponents claim that they were technically in breach of the Litter Pollution Act. But a Fine Gael spokesperson out very quickly to explain how does the Litter Pollution Act works when it comes to posters. Posters may only be erected for a certain period before an election, either 30 days out or the date the polling order has been completed, whichever is the shorter period and the polling order uh, was signed yesterday and it would have been in the afternoon and he got them up in the morning. So any posters put up on that date are in line with the regulations that they're saying it is it is okay. But I know a number of uh, people were (laughs) tweeting about it yesterday saying, you know, he was really just out there stealing a march on his election rivals. And we will in weeks to come, about a month's time, is it? Yeah, it'll be about a month's time we will be talking about this. Telling people about the Litter Act and how they're in breach. This is any of the candidates will be in breach of the Litter Pollution Act if they don't remove their posters within one week of polling day. So February the 8th, they'll have until the following Saturday to get their posters down. And certainly here in Cork, the majority of them are really, really good. And I know, generally speaking, what happens is we'll get calls in to say that a random poster has been left somewhere, you know, one was missed or whatever. And usually, sometimes we'll get on to the candidate that either have been elected or not elected, whichever is the case, and they'll be straight out. Or sometimes they're listening to us and before I would even out of my mouth, there'll be a call or a text in to say, ah, we're on to it, we'll, we'll get it sorted out. So they are good. They are good about taking them down. But I again, and I said it to Councillor to- Tony Fitzgerald in the last hour, to anybody putting up the posters when you're taking them back down, it's the cable ties. Take the cable ties down with you, please, guys and gals. They are the ones that are causing huge problems, particularly for the environment. And it is one of the reasons why there is this big push for try- for everyone to try to go poster free. And it isn't just posters. I saw an interesting text in from one of our postmen saying, hi, Patricia, on election material. I work for Unpost and and it's time the government banned ban individual candidates issuing 
advertising material to every single voter. I give out tens of thousands of leaflets to households on every election. And I can tell you, about 99% are either thrown straight in the bin or in some cases they're torn up in front of me. And I'm sure that goes for every one of OnPost's delivery people. It is such a waste of millions of euro that could be given and better spent. It could be given to the likes of the Air Ambulance. They're struggling for money at the moment. In this day and age with the internet, etc., surely a total ban must come in and come in soon. Please ask the politicians on your programme as we, the taxpayers paying, as we are the taxpayers paying for them, not them, says John the Postman in Boherbui. And we will end up getting a huge amount of that material. I always collect it together. I always have a kind of a folder, a trunkeeper folder, and I put it all, all into it together for research purposes as well I've, I've got to be honest but we have a folder here but it always astounds me and that's just the literature that comes into my house and, and I don't know how many times myself and John Paul would comment on it you know only actually when I was getting the folder out because I've started to get election literature through my door and I was looking for the folder and I ended up getting the ones from the European elections that had come into my house going oh my god the amount of it is just crazy now I don't know and we're going to have to wait and see did were they all in was it just to the household or were they in individually you know there's two votes in our house for the well there's two votes registered so will there be two of everything coming in because at one time that's the way it used to be and then they they started getting a bit smart and they started just addressing it to the householders certainly for the Europeans they did that I don't know for the general election do they do that or not but is our postie is John the postie right that 99% of them are thrown straight into the bin or do you spend time do you read what's on the literature that comes through the door from all of the candidates it's one way to get to know the candidates I, I suppose 1850 a listener says Patricia will you warn others that there is black ice oh still in sheltered areas in the Liscarrel Kilbrin Fremont area because it was yeah it was quite a frosty morning this morning I was, I was surprised when I got out to the car to discover I had to de-ice it because it looked like a lovely morning I didn't realise it had been a hard frost earlier so will you be aware of that please sheltered areas this is Liscarrel Kilbrin Fremont areas but I'm assuming that will be the same for all sheltered areas just to be careful there could still be some black ice and again it says you come around a corner you are never too sure the ring road route this is from Sandy when we discussed the fact that it has been well not cancelled but certainly put on the long finger Sandy said I'm not surprised at the cancellation the decision to build the South Ring Road was influenced by politics of both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael persuasion even though the North Ring would be a new main road from Cork straight through to McCroom west to Kerry and south through Dunmanway and on to Bantry this would take massive pressure off the N71 Clonakilty Bandon route it would indeed I think a lot of people are very very disappointed with the news that it's not going to even be looked at until 2027 but there's an opportunity now I suppose with an election maybe all of that will uh, change now on the polling station and the polling station jobs by the way somebody said kind of I don't know if they were being smart or not of me saying we all know how to apply for polling jobs but the jobs are not there uh, I know but I was just getting it out to people that you can apply and just be ever hopeful that you will one day get one of the jobs while Eddie in Ovens says that he hopes that the beautiful twin sisters that are on duty at his local polling station are still there and there are people like that love the idea of going into the same familiar 
faces every single time. And it's nothing against the people that have the jobs already, by the way. It's just that people get irked and wondering how they can apply and they would like the opportunity of working. I think that's the one that gets most people. And why are these jobs not passed on to the unemployed? Tim says, all application for polling station jobs must be applied for online. Okay, for the senior position, which is the presiding officer, there's a compulsory training aspect to it and a test online. The presiding officer must collect the ballot box and papers in advance and the job is to stamp the ballot paper and where necessary establish identification. There is some form filling at the close of the polling and the pay is about €400 but it is taxable. The polling clerk on the other hand that's the person who crosses off the names that pay is lower yeah and I think €350 is what that person gets. We must have sympathy for the public servants though says Tim who will be giving up their weekend as the count will be on on the Sunday and therein lies a problem um, Tim for those people who are counting and someone else is raising that Michael is raising this issue as well St. Patricia how are you I wonder did the Tisha consider the cost of the counting staff on a Sunday rather than a Saturday which as we know with recounts can be quite chaotic at times at least when you vote on a Friday counting happens on a Saturday and then if there's a need for a recount or they didn't get all of the votes counts didn't get everybody elected it'll go to a Sunday but has the Taoiseach considered where those what, what the staff are going to do if they're going to need to be in place on a Monday as a lot of that personnel go back to their own jobs after the weekend and also Michael is questioning will the count staff be have will the count staff have to be paid more money because they're working on a Sunday rather than a Saturday and normally when you work for people who work Saturday you get I don't know is it time and a half and then Sundays in many cases it's double time and would there be a financial implication now I didn't see anything in everything I read about Leo Radker's reasoning and decision I don't think that came up at all but Michael um, and Tim is right now not every count centre doesn't go on to a second day but it does happen in a proportion of them so there will be a proportion of the count staff who won't be back at their office job on the Monday and they instead will have to be at the count centre. I, we will try and endeavour to see will they get paid, will they be getting paid more now because it's a Sunday rather than a Saturday. We'll see if we can find out that for you. Thank you for that. We were speaking with the SIMI, the motor industry representing motor dealers earlier and a couple of people were saying do we not need a proper motoring organisation I said what about the AA isn't isn't the AA great to fight for the motoring industry the AAs as a texture are now viewed with suspicion by many as they sell motoring products for example insurance and are seen to be justifying increases of premiums many view them as the saviour of consumers but now their premiums are often dearer than brokers the AA are often prominent in endorsing penalty point introduction and other penalties. Rarely, if ever, do the AA featuring campaigns for better roads are highlighting dangerous sections of country roads or cost of damage inflicted by them. A new organisation is needed. Well, Conor Faulkner, over the years, he would have been always given out about people who got penalty points on a very long stretch of road. He's to, he also refers to this fishing in a barrel and either the Gardaí would put up a speed trap or the Go Safe van would be parked there. You know, just as you are entering into a reduction 
on the speed or else you're just coming out of a speed limit and it goes on to another one and he describes his fishing for a barrel and saying there are you know, wide stretches of the road where there's rare acc- rarely accidents and he's you know always giving out about that and certainly the AA are always good about highlighting the cost of motoring when it comes to petrol prices how often have we heard they're, they're the ones that always break down the amount of taxes that we paid but anyway have they given out about the condition of our roads I don't know I, I can't think if I've ever done an interview with the AA on that because I do so many interviews about the condition of our roads I don't know whether whether one or, or other of them has featured with the AA or not but anyway another person shouting and saying it's a new motoring organisation is what we actually need and hi Patricia I know somebody who had to emigrate after college back in 2009 and that same person is anxious to come back now and we are screaming out for those people, those people who highly educated, got their education here, no job, had to go abroad, they've got all the experience and now here, 10 years later, ready to come back. So this person's ready to come back. If that person decides to come home now, listen to your programme this morning with this Knox tax. He'll be hit with two taxes on his car because I'm assuming somebody over the United Kingdom, if he decides to bring his car back with him, vehicle registration tax and he'll be caught for a Knox tax as well, says this texter. So he'll have to pay that. He'll also have to pay extra on his health insurance. He'll have huge rent to pay and rents have certainly increased since when he left in 2009. He'll also have to cope with huge car insurance etc. I could go on and on. Cade me the fault on my eye says this uh, texter 1850 333 103 lines are uh, open. Okay are they all of our texts? One final one how are you? Heard you on about a general election well we've had enough of Fianna Fáil but don't let's forget we've had enough of Fianna Gael but don't let's forget Fianna, Fianna Fáil were the con- were in power when our country uh, when, when our um, country hit economic bust but who do we replace them with? We don't have much choice. And that comes in from Donny texting from a Bantier. OK, Bernie taking your calls. 1850 333 103. You can text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Cork Sabacqua Club. Remember we had a chat with them last week. They are uh, an under, an Irish under Water Council affiliate uh, group. They're holding their annual Try Dive event. It's on tonight, 7 o'clock, in the Mayfield Sports Complex. Now, the event is free of charge and it aims to give a taste of scuba diving for those who might wish to train as a qualified diver. You can get more information by visiting the club's Facebook page. That's Cork uh, Subaqua Club. Canturk Bingo is held every Wednesday night in the Adelkin Hall in Canturk. A coach is now running from the Mallow area, starting from the Mousetrap on Beecher Street at 7, with pickups at Taylor's Corner, Ballydehean Service Station, Drumahan and Glantan. And the cost of the bus is €5. Euro. Kill Mac Simon Rowing Club, they're holding a 6k fun run and walk. That is on at half past 11 next Sunday. Registration will open at 10am at Kilmac Simon Community Centre. Social dancing in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. That's on tomorrow, Thursday at half past nine with dance classes at half past seven. And a concert in aid of Cork Penny Dinners will be held in St Mary's and All Saints Church of Ireland in Glanmire. That's happening on Friday night at eight. St Joseph's Choir Glanmire 
Caricatural folk group, violinist Ellen O'Connor and students of the Cork School of Music will be among the guests. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And thank you. Lovely to hear we'd uh, call in from Michael in Glenmire to say he went to the Blasket Islands last May. He spent two nights in Peg Sayre's house. He said it was pure magic and he can't wait to go back. Yeah, I <laughs> I do think it sounds really idyllic. I just, I love the idea, you know, that the fact that they don't have electricity and you're going by candlelight and, and if the weather is right, but even if the weather isn't right, if you know, if you don't have to go anywhere, then it's, you know, you're snug and warm in one of the little cottages. It does really sound idyllic. I didn't realise that they'd start to put little holiday cottages and, I mean, you wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't go there and spend two weeks holidays there. It's ideal for that for a short night or two away or a weekend away. It really does sound uh, gorgeous. Okay, people still on about the polling station and the polling station jobs. Michael and Mallow was listening to me talk about the fact that they work from 6am in the morning until 11pm at night. Michael says, what about health and safety? No one should work such long hours. Shouldn't they not split the day and give it to two people? That would make sense. That absolutely would make sense. And then Colm and Butterfant worked as a presiding officer back in the day. And he said people from the live register would have to sign off for the day and then sign back on again. So a lot of the times it's not worth all the hassle. Colm said he used to actually have difficulty finding enough people to do the job. He used to rely on the people who had done it year after year and because obviously they brought with them the experience as well but it wasn't for the want of trying he said you know people not everybody wants to do the job do you know something and I've a, a gut instinct that because I know whenever we get people complain about oh it's the same people doing it every time and then when you say well did you apply or did you know somebody you applied nobody seems to want to apply for these jobs people give out about it but nobody wants to actually do it Kathleen and Mallow also says that the polling station jobs are absolutely no joke. They can actually put up with abuse from people once they and when they have finished um, they're not finished when the polling stops. They have to gather up everything, everything has to be tidied up, all the papers and the posters. She knows of people who did it over the years but they gave up in the end because they just, they just weren't interested in it even though it sounds like a huge amount of money for one day's work. It's the length of the day and the job that you're doing and to be getting abuse from people as well. Joan in Formoy makes the point that if the genuinely intelligent, unemployed people got the polling station jobs, there would be no problem then about the count going on until Monday. It's very unfair for employed people to be taking a day off work to work at the polling station. But if you go back to what Colm said as a presiding officer, he had problem getting people to work. So, I mean, you know, and I don't know if we can find out from Cork County Council because you have to apply online. You have to go to the presiding officer. And I don't know if they've ever, after an election, have any of the local authorities, in our case it would be Cork County Council and Cork City Council, have they ever come out and said how many people actually applied for the jobs? I think it would be really interesting, wouldn't it, to get a figure on how many actually applied and how many jobs. And in the interest of transparency and fairness and all of that, wouldn't it be great to see how many applied and how many got the jobs and if they didn't, you know, did they go back to the people that had done it on previous years and why did they decide to go back to the people that had done it on previous years? And Patrick in Churchtown is not a happy camper. At 7.30am this morning, so very bright and early, there was a man with a ladder 
putting up a poster. He was trampling on Pat's flower beds in Churchtown and the daffodil bulbs they had planted on the ditch. It's right in front of Pat's house and he was very annoyed. Now I don't know Pat, did Pat go out and have words with the man on the ladder? So we'll give that out as a word of warning to people who are putting up the posters to be aware where you're putting your ladder, what you're leaning up against and where you're actually uh, putting them. Um, And as we've been talking about all morning, there is a campaign to try to stop people from putting up posters. And I know the independent TD, Dennis Nocton, he was one of the first candidates out of the block to announce his campaign will be poster free. So to encourage others to follow suit, I'm joined by Seamus Maguire of posterfree.ie. Good afternoon to you, Seamus. Good afternoon, Patricia, and good afternoon to all your listeners. Now, Seamus, what, in your opinion, is so wrong with election posters? Uh, Well, our issue is strictly from the environmental standpoint that uh, they're made of uh, cardboard, it's single-use plastic, uh, and a lot of them are being uh, produced from virgin plastic at the moment. Um, The politicians usually come out with the argument that they're being recycled, but to be honest, Patricia, this is greenwash. You can only recycle this type of plastic about seven or nine times. Then it's eventually going to landfill where it will stay in the ground for 400 years. We are uh, in the minute in the in the middle of a climate and biodiversity uh, emergency as called by, for by the government. And uh, unfortunately, our political leaders are not taking the lead in this and they're not doing anything about it. Uh, our youth are leading the way in this and uh, Greta Thunberg and uh, Extinction Rebellion. But Unfortunately, our, our politicians can't even come up with a, another solution to get their their images out there. And any survey that's done, over 90% of people who are surveyed don't want these election posters. So I have a simple question. Who are they for? Uh, are they for the egos of these politicians that want to see their images up on polls? 97% of us have smartphones at this stage. I get most of my content either from radio or from a smartphone or online. And I imagine the majority of the population are the same. Uh, Dennis Nocton said he can't justify uh, producing uh, plastic, single-use plastic posters for what is a 26-day run-in out of this to the election day. Uh, we had our own Taoiseach uh, who had his workers out putting up his election posters before he'd even dissolved the, the, the doll. I think it's quite ironic that uh, the, the current head of uh, our government was uh, at such an act and... Uh, I think it's deplorable, really, and I think politicians need to stand up. We have over 200 tidy towns who have come to us, a lot of them in Cork. Passage West in Cork have been doing, have had a poster van placed since, I think, 1999. Yeah, I think they were one of the first. Yeah, well, look at Cork. As I know only too well, unfortunately, the the Cork people seem to lead the way in a lot of this. Uh, Passage West is an area I know well in terms of rowing clubs down there, so uh, I'm not one bit surprised by that, but I think... uh, our politicians need to start listening to the, the people they're supposed to be yeah, serving. Uh, and I know s- since we've been on air since 10 o'clock this morning and I mentioned that you were coming on the the programme, the amount of people on about posters and nobody, you know, we can't find anyone that seems to want them except we had one candidate who feels it adds to the, the atmosphere of the election and who also said that when people see the posters go up they know that it's an election, uh, which I find it hard that the only way somebody finds out there's an election on is when they see a poster up. It's I mean, it's on every newspaper, it's on every news bulletin, it's on every radio station. Well, I mean, how I found out yesterday that the election was happening was um, I got it on a news feed uh, online. Now, I, definitely there's some people that we know all about, know all about broadband and that. There, there are 
people who are getting their news from other ways. Radio is a perfect way, or the newspapers. But how can we justify putting up the single-use plastic in our current climate? I mean, in Australia, we have the area of Ireland that's been burned. We've had over a billion animals killed, destroyed, burnt. And how can we justify this? I mean, the government itself called a climate and biodiversity emergency. And this is what they're doing in emergency. Like, we did the figures last year on local elections alone. Over 2,000 candidates for 949 seats. We did quick up figures for that, right? That was $3 million spent on plastic posters. We'd have covered Crow Park 23 times. And we're, uh... going to get the same, we're going to get the same this time. And they, they can only go to landfill, where they will stay in the ground for 400 years. And, you know, we have politicians, oh, I recycle it into flower pots. What happens to the flower pot when it gets broken or when it's at the end of its life? It's going to landfill. Stop the greenwash. I'm calling on all potential candidates, on all elected representatives to stand up, be a bit innovative. For my own campaign, I use reverse graffiti where I washed my message into the ground. So I cleaned my message into the ground. That will eventually be cleaned off by the weather. I I caused absolutely no harm. Uh, On principle, I would not touch single-use plastic. And I think... Look, there are bigger issues, Patricia, the minute homelessness, housing, health, we all know that. But I think climate change will negate all of these. If we do not have a, have a, a country or a world to live in, I think uh, it's going to come back to bite us. And, uh, have, you, you, have you a view on the literature that comes to people's doors, uh, Seamus? Because we've had a postman who started to, has uh, contacted us earlier to say the amount of literature that he would put through people's doors between now and polling day. And he reckons 99% of it goes straight into the bin. Straight into the bin. But I'll tell you, the, can- the Canadians have an, an interesting model. They don't do any plastic postering or any postering. What they do is they produce a booklet with all the candidates in it yeah. and they get that sent out to every home, right? Just so one booklet? Like, one booklet goes out to every home and there's no posters of any description. Well, why can't we adopt a model like that? We have a, we then have a paper booklet which you can then put in the recycling bin yeah. after after the election. Like, it doesn't take... You know, if our if our politicians can't be innovative about the way they're getting their message out there, what hope have they of solving the housing, the health, and the homelessness crisis in this country? Like seriously. And you're encouraging candidates to sign up to almost like a pledge on your website, postalfree.ie. At the minute, Patricia, we're inundated with tidy towns with local community groups who have sent letters out to. Uh, current candidates and representatives to say we do not want you to put up your plastic posters and your cable ties on in our area and most of them have mapped out an area around their towns. Now, Passage West led the way in this and a lot of Cork towns to be fair have led the way in this and I've been down in Cork for the last few years and you know it's a credit to you the, the towns and villages that you have down there in Cork and all you know it's much the same as Donegal and you rely on tourism yeah. and you rely yeah. on, on pretty towns and villages to, to promote your area. So, look at, we, we have over 200 uh, towns and villages throughout Ireland who have said, categorically, do not put up your posters in our area. Uh, we know that Extinction Rebellion have said, do not put them up. So, uh, look, I think it's it's like it's like the RAC and the, the Dublin Metropolitan Police commemoration. You know, there's a disconnect there with our politicians and the people they're supposed to represent. And I think it's very true of the postering as well. There's a disconnect. The politicians aren't listening, but they're going to have to listen very soon. Okay. All right. Uh, 
And and I know that a lot of our towns here in Cork, as you say, already operate poster free. Um, it's it's one of those. It's a kind of a voluntary code of practice, isn't it, on behalf of the candidates that nobody can be forced to do it. But a yeah. candidate would be very stupid to put a poster up in an area where Absolutely. the towns have said no to posters. Yeah, I mean, I live in Donegal Town myself, and I'm part of a coastal rowing club. There's a lot of coastal rowing clubs in Cork uh, who are what's rowing Ireland, and we have a clean coast initiative. Like, we spend every summer going around and lifting predominantly 99% of what we lift from the shoreline and from the seas is plastic. Yeah. And, and, you know, we uh, yesterday uh, in the Guardian, they announced that the oceans were the warmest ever on record. Now, if that's not a clear indication of climate change, nothing else is. So they were the warmest ever on record. So, you know, we only have like 10 years, I reckon, to to do something about this. If our politicians can't make this small, small step, stop using single-use virgin plastic, which comes from the fossil fuel industry, comes from oil. So it's it's up to the people, it's up to the politicians to stand up and be counted on this. You know, Dennis Knock has come out, a past minister of the environment, cannot justify it from an environmental and Mm. from a financial standpoint. Like, this costs an awful lot of money. That money could be better spent. Yeah, and as as we mentioned earlier, all the cable ties that are used, and and that becomes the big bugbear of the the poor tidy towns, volunteers, can I say, who have to go out and pick up all the cable ties that get left behind afterwards, both in the putting up and the taking down. And they're left on poles and they look awful. Shocking. Awful, awful. And and the other side of it is there's a safety issue. My own eight-year-old was in the car yesterday saying, Daddy, is it not unsafe that these signs are in front of of road signs, you know, if an eight-year-old can see this, and we also have the cyclists who are, because some politicians are putting them up too low, and they're, they don't, they're not following uh, their own council's guidelines in terms of where they should put them. They shouldn't be within the region of a junction, but I can guarantee you that they're going to be everywhere. And they will anywhere. be. We'll be getting calls, and I can tell you between now and polling day, we'll be inundated with people... Uh, highlighting a particular area couldn't see as I came out uh, yeah, exactly. of the junction. It just and thank God we were saying that what that Storm Brendan, if the if Storm Brendan had been around, they would have been all over. If Absolutely. we get if we get a storm like that between now and the eighth of February, w- right. which is highly likely. Which yeah, is highly yeah, likely we're, we're in that we're in that time. There, you 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 come to Cork rowing. Yeah, we've been down the last few years in the National Rowing Centre there in Farnwood uh, in Cork, and we have a lot of Cork clubs. Um, Passage West are coming up. We have. Court McCary, we have Rushbrook, we have Whitegate. Uh, we have a great relationship with all the Cork coastal clubs there. there. Right. I want to say a big hello to them and anyone that's listening from, from Cork. Uh, we have great time, great people, uh, real community. And w- funny, we're all in this environmental because we're all on the Because you live by the, the sea. Yeah. yeah. By the you, sea. Ha- you don't have any choice. It's in your face no. every day. Okay, listen, great campaign. Good luck with it, uh, Seamus. Posterfree.ie if anybody wants to take a look. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. And thanks, and thanks you, Chris, and thanks all your listeners. Okay. Good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. Seamus McGuire there of posterfree.ie. Some of your texts coming in on this and on the putting up of posters. Somebody says, I think it is illegal to put up posters on poles by people who do not have the correct safety pass. Are they not a danger to the public? They just park the car, jump out, put on the hazard lights and up the pole. Uh, isn't there what about health and safety yeah you're right I don't know I mean I I would have to ask some of the candidates now and the people their team that put up the posters do any of them have the correct health and safety training and a safety pass in order to put out a ladder and go up the pole and put up the poster for them 
Patricia, my son was doing this as the polling booth job over the last two years he was going to college. He was be, gets paid around €360 euro, but pays about €145 euro in emergency tax and then he'll have to wait a year to get the refund. And by the way, the day runs from 6.30 in the morning to 10.30. It is a long, long day. Uh, Patricia, that postman is so right. This is John, the postman, who contacts us about what he sees is the waste, the amount of material he's got to put through people's letterbox. Uh, it goes from the post box straight into the bin. Some people won't even allow the postman to deliver the rubbish into their post boxes. It's a waste of taxpayers' money. What a joke. There is so much money wasted in this country. It would solve a lot of the problems. They just don't care. And how the people are standing for it. Well, that's another joke. Thanking you, uh, Patricia, says the texter. Dan says, I just saw a poster for Leo Varadkar in Killarney. Brave man to take on the Kilvarvin Mafia, says uh, Dan. Breda says, Patricia, talking in polling booths and the people staffing them. Well, in an East Cork, I'm not going to say where because I can't confirm if this is true, but in an East Cork polling station, we have a woman who's well over 80 years of age in the booth working for years. Surely a young person who would need the money a lot more than that woman. But I go back to the presiding officer. Maybe they can't get anyone to work. I wonder, have they tried? Has anybody applied? I don't know. Uh, Mick says, polling stations. It's mad the number of polling stations we have. Uh, Clonakilty could do with half the numbers. And that would be reflected in all over the country. But they have to go by the Register of Electors. We don't know how many people are going to show up. If it's in the 50s, what what would we expect for a general election on a Saturday? It'll be interesting to see, will the figure be up or down? But even if mid 50s percent turn out uh, to vote but they have to allow for that everybody on the Register of Electors is going to turn up so therefore they have to do it by the numbers that are on the Register of Electors they have to have the corresponding polling stations but we have we ever had an election whereby we're hearing anything like the up to 100% or in the high 90s have turned out to vote. It never, ever happens. That is for sure. And hi, Patricia. I don't even look at those leaflets that you were talking about earlier. I put them straight on the fire, says the texter. 1850 and on your calls coming into the programme. Michael in Kentuck. Oh, this is the farmers. Remember yesterday we spoke with Dermot Almost Dermot second, Dermot Hennebury. Dermot was one of these farmers of the independent farmers who are heading to Dublin today to, they're protesting in Dublin, they're going to shut down Dublin. I think it's due to start about two o'clock uh, today. Michael in Kenturk wants to make the point that those farmers going to Dublin on the tractors today, some of those tractors must have cost well over €100,000. Michael says any ordinary family farm tractor would be lucky to go from Kenturk to Mallow and certainly would make it up to Dublin. And actually there is an email in on the factory protest from Tim in Mill Street to say, Patricia, I thought the farmer that you spoke with yesterday, uh, Dermot, got a lovely soft run. A farmer who's going to upset the lives of tens of thousands of people in Dublin tomorrow and who hasn't the support of any of the farming organisations. He was scathing in his criticism of the factories, which is fair enough. But he was also scathing of the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, who wasn't there to defend himself. Michael Creed has done everything in his power to solve this issue. He got the factories to lift the court orders. He set up the task force, which, by the way, is supported by all of the farm organisations. He cannot... Tim says in very big writing, set beef 
crisis. He is a great asset to our region, bringing the 200 million euro Ballyvorney McCroom bypass to construction. Imagine the spin off from this level of expenditure in the region over the next three years, not to mention the end result of the motorway for West Cork and Kerry. And that's signed a bit of fair play and balance, please. And that's from Tim in Mill Street, emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 
on C103 and that's a track called What About Us that's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who was producing sitting in for John Paul who's on for Eric this evening and uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock into the night Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.